And then when a company comes along and says, hey, you know, we're thinking of building a new you know, NFT uh, solution, or maybe we want to, you know, talk to folks who um, bought certain types or have done certain types of uh, DeFi transactions or have used NFT loyalty programs before or anything like that. We can then analytically search through all of our user pool and find people that match that. I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here, I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for joining me today on the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. I appreciate you uh, joining me. Thanks, Rudy. Looking forward to it. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, and we all know you from the creating and founding uh, DSpark. It's a Web3 UX research platform and kind of onboards people to find information for other companies and entities and people, individuals to learn more about the Web3 space. But before we get into all that and fun jazz and what you do and DSpark does, I want to know more about what Greg was doing before ever hearing about crypto or Bitcoin or anything of those sorts. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, at this point, uh, with DSpark being around for, you know, four or five months, less maybe, uh, that's most of my history. So a lot more to talk about there than uh, than in the Web3 world. Um, but before this, uh, so my, my, you know, the quick version of my career path is uh, I was a math physics major in college uh, with a good amount of comp- computer science as well uh, and had no idea what I really wanted to do uh, with my life other than <laughs> uh, try a lot of things and see what stuck and maybe dabble in entrepreneurship one day. Uh, so went into strategy consulting for a while, uh, which was a uh, a great choice for the undecided. <laughs> you yeah. just see a lot of industries, get a lot of a different experience, worked for consumer goods, insurance, healthcare, private equity, um, and uh, ran that for four years before deciding that I was uh, enough of a person and uh, had a complete enough resume that I could go try to get into operations somewhere. Uh, so at that point, searched around and dove into uh, a company called Simply Safe here in Boston. Uh, okay. It's a home security company, uh, mm-hmm. and managed to get onto the product team there. Which was my goal to get, you know, in, in strategy consulting, you come up with some really cool ideas, you put them in a slide deck, and then, as they say, you throw it over the wall and say, "Good <laughs> luck. I hope it goes well." Uh, and so I was pretty excited to learn. Uh, what one does with those slide decks and how exactly you actually operate. Uh, so moved into that product, uh, product realm at Simply Safe and did a whole host of things. Uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, I was originally looking when I selected Simply Safe for really small companies, like zero to 20 people to you know continue that entrepreneurship goal. Um, but uh, ended up going with Simply Safe. I uh, knew a couple of people there that liked it, um, but it was still relatively small. It was yeah. probably a hundred people outside of uh, the fulfillments and call center teams. Um, and my team was three people and I reported to the CEO, which was uh, really cool. It's really cool. exactly yeah. what I wanted. Uh, so yeah, moved up from, you know, kind of a hybrid strategy product position uh, over my five years there to being a director of product uh, and really learned the whole gamut of how to build things, um, how to, you know, decision making as you're as you're building uh, products, and um, then this past September, uh, finally made that leap into DSpark. But uh, it was really a formative period there. Yeah, and it's so nice because sometimes being in those types of companies, you really get a good feel of 
what it means to be an entrepreneur and like, oh, I could do this or hell no, this is just not for me. I don't want to be the decision maker. I don't want to deal with this stuff at all. And it's a great opportunity that you had that. Um, but during this time, has like crypto, Web3, or I guess when when did you even hear about Bitcoin? Was this even on your radar? Uh, it was actually around the time that I started at Simply Safe. Um, I was pretty late. It was probably like 20, oh no, it was summer of 2017, I remember. Uh, okay. That bull market, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was playing pickup basketball uh, with a few of my buddies. Uh, and after we completed uh, you know, a couple of games, we were walking back. And one of my friends says, hey, you know, have you heard about Ethereum? <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, like vaguely, I, I know the name, but not much beyond that. And so he's telling us what a cool tech it was and how he had like put a bit of money into it and that we should go check it out. Uh, and so, you know, that night and that weekend uh, spent the time you know, diving into what it was and really actually trying to understand it for the first time and uh, learned a ton. And, you know, me and the four of the buddies we'd play basketball with all ended up putting some money in and kind of doing the trading aspect. Nice. Yeah. Of, of the Bitcoin Getting our feet wet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, December, late December, we decided there was no way it could keep going up. And so most of us sold most of our holdings and uh, got out right around the peak of the market, which we were so excited about and thought we were geniuses until, you know, four years later when everything was 10x that price or at least two or three X. <laughs> but now you're still a genius because it's almost back at that price. So right, right exactly. <laughs> uh, that's tough. That's I mean, that's the fun part. It's like everyone has to get into it in the beginning for the money aspect. That's what you see. That's what you learn. That's what you like feel the most like, Oh, I put money in. I made some great, but hopefully you don't really, you don't really realize it until you sell. But if you're like an evangelist like me, like, Oh, crypto is a future of currency. It's a future of money. One ETH is one ETH. Bitcoin's one Bitcoin's one Bitcoin. Totally. doesn't matter what the USD price is. Um, then who cares? Yeah. It's, yeah, a- it's funny <laughs> how we all go through such a similar journey there. It's exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was only a, it was 2020 when I really started using it for more than uh, just you know trading in currencies and similar than that. Yeah. So what what about or what uh, what were you doing when you started to realize oh there is tech behind this there's use cases behind this like sorry getting really more into a rabbit hole of how you can use uh, crypto to develop. Yeah. Totally. Um, Really, I think it was summer of uh, 2020, DeFi summer, you know, pandemic, I uh, started to explore just a little more in that area. Um, so later than I think many folks in the space, uh, but dove pretty deep, um, just trying to get a feel on what it was, right? So everything from, you know, uh, exploring a little more about DeFi, like actually, you know, no longer holding my uh, coins on Coinbase, but having it on chain somewhere, uh, starting yeah. to... Bridgets between various uh, between various chains and use different DeFi protocols and buying a couple of NFTs and really just trying to understand like what it meant. And so I think the first thing that came to me there was really on like the you know the, the currency right like the ability of uh, international money transfer being so much easier and programmable money and you know trades all the time and everything making it just. There's a lot of potential there that uh, really dawned on me in that, you know, 2020, 2021 area. Um, and I think that was kind of the first major use case that I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. And I think it can go yeah. somewhere. And then 
later in 2021, I started to really um, buy into the con like NFTs as the non-fungible token, right? So beyond images, but like the ownership, the decentralized yeah. ownership aspect. Uh, and uh, that really led to like my current thesis for why I think, you know, blockchains and Web3 and similar will succeed. And, and so as you're growing into this space and learning more about that, has DSpark started to start, you know, has, has a light bulb start to flicker a little bit or was it just still like, ah, I'm, I'm having fun learning, but I'm not going to do anything about it? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, I was exploring ideas, I think, throughout then. Like really in 2021, I started to explore ideas um, and trying to figure out, you know, is this uh, a good space for a new company to, you know, try and solve problems that exist there, of which there are, there are many in the Web3 space. Uh, and late 2021, I started to explore ideas, but I actually was on uh, a prior one. And so the the most evident idea for me at the time was it was really hard to figure out how to get move things between chains. Yep. And so, for example, if I had Fiat on Coinbase as like my on-ramp, and I wanted to get to, you know, Polygon and have like Matic there, what's the best way to do that? And so my first my first side project I built was actually like a Google Maps-like solution for that. Uh, and so I, I called it Crypto Crossing. Um, and the concept was you have a starting point, you have an ending point, and you're optimizing for one of a few different things. You might be optimizing for uh, speed. You might be optimizing for cheapness. Mm-hmm. Uh those are the main ones, but there's, there's some other things that you could do as well. And those are different, right? Like if you want cheapness, you might go between a few different chains. Like you might need to take it out of Coinbase, put it onto Solana because that's, you know, has relatively cheaper fees and then, you know, convert it into something that exists on Matic as well. And then bridge it over to Matic, uh, sorry, bridge it over to Polygon. But if you want ease, you might just go to Ethereum and then Polygon because Coinbase didn't allow direct withdrawals to Polygon back in the day. Gotcha. Um, and so uh, that was kind of like my, my first side project, uh, which was super fun to build and really interesting, um, but uh, hard to imagine how it would have a business model to it. <laughs> so I enjoyed building it, but then I was like, I don't think this is a, a reason to quit my job and pursue full time. <laughs> yeah, that's the tough part because like when I got into crypto too, like, and during 2017, Telegram was like, blowing up as a messaging platform for crypto. Sure. And I was like, oh man, I wish I can check the price of crypto on Telegram. So I'm like, oh, they have bots. And I built yep. something called um, Crypto Callback Bot, which is now renamed as Hey Coin Bot. And yeah. it's like an inline command where you just to type in what coin you want to see at their ticker or their name. And you get the price right into your group chat without adding a bot, without doing any, any like extra activity. Just type it in line and you see it anywhere. That's really cool. It's a fun project, but yeah, I didn't make any money off it. Burned hey. plenty of hours trying to fix it and debug it. I'm still paying like five bucks a month to run the server. Sure. Um, but it was fun. It was such a fun experience to learn and really like be part of the community. And I think that's what a lot of people strive for is like um, buying and selling crypto. But to really feel part of the community, you kind of have to contribute or build something to really understand like, Oh, this is what this is about. So I'm glad you had that experience too. Yeah, no, totally agreed. It's yeah. That 
contribution, the content creation or like software creation or whatever it might be is such an important part. And I think that really helped me understand a little more about like how everything works and what the possibilities were. Exactly. Now, as you were learning about the industry, I feel like it's just a crazy wild west lifestyle still. And before we learn more about DSpark, I want to know what, what about crypto like what in the crypto industry is a pet peeve of yours during this time? Um, pet peeve. I think it's a little generic, but the thing that annoys me most is just the volume of, of scammers and the volume of uh, mm-hmm. just dishonesty in the space. Um, I think it has, there's obviously a number of reasons that it annoy, annoys me. Like one, obviously there's, so much spam on Twitter, right? It's yeah. so hard to get to like real stuff there. Um, but two, I think just the negative impact it had on the reputation of the space in general. Um, there is, you know, they say there's no such thing as bad press, but like, I'm not quite certain here. Every time uh, that I am trying to explain my company, like there's just that, huge negative uh, uh aura well, yes exactly that you have to dispel <laughs> first uh about like what web3 is and what blockchain is and like I'm, I'm trying to build tools to improve the user experience in it and to get to that point where somebody's even interested in like how it could improve you know you have to get over that uh isn't everyone just trying to buy jpegs and sell yep. them <laughs> yeah, everybody just thinks it's tulip mania again so i know it's exactly why Wholesome Crypto was born. I was like, there's so much toxicity and negative yeah. like, uh, aura around crypto. I'm like, there's so many amazing people building amazing tools and projects and platforms and it's going completely ignored. And I wanted to uh, give the people, the real people, of like how they built this and why they're building it, why they're here and uh, kind of ignore the trading and financial advice that everyone else seems to know so much about. But... <laughs> I love the mission. It's sorely needed. We, uh, we need a lot more people like you. <laughs> Thank you. And you too. So now about DSpark, like what, where, where was that turning point in your life? Like what were you doing? And did you have a Eureka moment? Yeah. Um, so DSpark came out of like a, a number of areas. I'd say so first I did have a Eureka moment and we'll get to that. But Good. the, uh, like, this concept, which I'll get to in more detail later, but basically platform to help companies get user feedback and, and user research, uh, exists in Web2. Um, and at Simply Safe, my job before DSpark, uh, I use these types of platforms all the time. Uh, so I was, I was a director of products there and I had, a, I had a team of folks and, you know, the product manager on the team, uh, the UX researchers, the UI designers, we would all try and get in front of, um, try and get in front of users all the time. Our users, uh, rings users, who was a competitor, mm-hmm. um, potential future users who are thinking about home security and, and we really want them, them to buy ours. Like just trying to get their ideas like, Hey, this is what we're building. Is that you know compelling to you? Interesting this is how we're going to implement it. Like, does that make sense? Like if you had a menu that you had to use, would you, what button would you click if you were trying to do X? Um, and so we used it all the time and we paid a lot of money, a lot of money to those platforms to help us do this. Cause it's just such a critical component. And so I had this background already 
of this is a really important aspect for product management, for marketing, for design and research. Um, and I, uh, and I, sorry, I really knew that, that going in and I knew that yeah. the, uh, blockchain and web three world really needed some help on that. Um, and so the, with that as background, right. I had this mm -hmm. all as context. I'd been working on crypto crossing that Google maps, like concept for a while, but knew it wasn't really the future. Uh, and started actually interviewing for various blockchain jobs as well, just get a sense of what was out there. And it was actually during an interview process I went through with IOTEX, uh, which is a um, IoT blockchain. Uh, they were looking for a head of product, and I was I was chatting with them about the concept. They asked me as kind of a case study to run through their bridge. Uh, so they're, they have a bridge to get from, you know, non-IOTEX to IOTEX and use it and kind of come up with like, a, if it was my product, what would I do about it? And so, you know, as, as any good product person would, I, I tried to try my own dog food and take some money from Ethereum and see if I could, uh, see if I could transfer it to, um, to IOTEX and, and how that went. Uh, and like any new bridge, I am not singling out IOTEX here. It went poorly. <laughs> uh, there's just, so many new things that you have to do whenever you're bridging something. You have to uh, figure out what wallets are on either end. Do you own the wallets? Like maybe I should send a test transaction first. Like what is the exchange rate? Like there's just a ton of areas that um, uh, are scary. Yeah. That makes <laughs> uh, sense. And, uh, and so it took me probably 30, 40 minutes, but I eventually succeeded. And kind of came back to them with that with that concept of like, you know, here's, you really need to work on your onboarding. Like there's a lot of things uh, that can get a lot better here and help new users, you know, succeed. And uh, and so I was as I was talking with them about that, I was like, so why, you know, I, I'm sure you guys thousands of things to do, but like, why haven't you had a chance like to do this yet? Or are you looking to do that in the future? And they were saying, well, that's why we're hiring this position. Like we we know that this is the case that we've been focused on kind of power users and we want to onboard new users, but now is the time that we are ready to hire uh, more product people, more marketing people and similar and actually work on those concepts. And so that's, that's when it really uh, went off. It's like, this is the start of the more than engineering era of web three and blockchain, yeah. where it's not just engineers building whatever they can as quickly as they can, great things, but not necessarily user-oriented things. It's going to be the product folks bringing in and a greater focus on user experience. And that means that they'll need a lot more user feedback. And it's like, that was really the, this is the time uh, they need more user feedback and user experience. And how can I contribute to it? And that was really what started to lead to DSpark. That makes, that makes complete sense because now I'm seeing the picture being painted as you're describing it. Because like, I remember, I mean, still today, when I do any cryptocurrency transaction, even if it's like bridging or swapping, whatever it is, I'm like, okay, did it go through? Did it go through properly? Let me check on Etherscan. Okay, it's still there. It's pending. Oh my God, why is it still pending? Like shit, like did I do something wrong? It's just like, I know what I'm doing, but I'm yeah. still like this irrational, emotional fear of like, did I do it right? Totally. Um, <laughs> so as like you're painting... Yeah. And the first, like the further afield you're going, the more nerve wracking it is. Right. So like if it's a new blockchain, terrifying. 
if it's yeah. if it's like a different currency or if it's a contract you're you mostly trust but 100 percent sure all of that just means like and there's there's you know there's a lot of companies out there that are working on making this better but uh there's a lot of work to be done still oh yeah and like as you're painting this picture it's it's showing oh yeah user experience is a number one complaint in crypto it's it's not easy it's it's like i have to sit down and think about every step that i'm doing and make sure everything is correct and i have to make sure every transaction's legitimate and correct it's like i can't just hop on the computer and do it the most i can do is buy and sell crypto that's the easiest thing i can do now which that in itself took a long time like i remember back in the like 2013 it's like download a whole bitcoin qt wallet on your computer, get the whole blockchain ready on your wallet, on your computer, and then you can try to buy something somewhere and then you can move it off there. It's just like, we've come so far yeah. and I, I feel like that in itself is something to appreciate, like how easy it is to buy and sell. Yeah, but now it's all about how easy is it to actually use, as you said, it's, it's programmable money. Like how easy is it to use the programs and how easy is it to interact with different platforms and programs and yeah slowly getting there 100 percent, yeah especially as things get further away from the the base use cases of like this is money and i'm changing a type of money there's going to be you know all these you know as they say lego pieces that are uh you know composable and building on top of each other and like the further abstracted you are from the money like it just needs to be so smooth for users to understand what's happening and to like it and to want to use it um so as somebody that believes in a lot of kind of like the decentralized ownership aspects of web3 the uh the how to use like nfts if that's what an ownership represents uh, or how it's represented and like that type of concept is going to need to get just so much smoother uh and and there's a lot of room for that to happen and so how is the spark solving this what what is it doing today and what is its goal in the future that's a great two-part question because <laughs> uh you know what we do today and our goals are you know there's a there's a yeah, long way to our goals. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be the best thing in the world um <laughs> so, so. Uh, today we are a uh user research platform and user feedback platform for web three. Um, and so what we do is we help companies run user interviews, uh, run usability testing, uh, quantitative surveys, focus groups, anything like that. Um, and we do that to help them, uh, improve their products, test their marketing, test their ideas, concepts, and, and really just get in touch with, users of any type, current users, uh, potential users, folks they want to you know, use their product, competitors, users, why they're using that versus our own uh, and similar. And so what we are, the, like, the way that happens is we're a marketplace of a sort. And so we uh, recruit users into our user pool uh, and have them fill out a couple of basic things about themselves, you know, their, their hot wallets, uh, addresses, um, and some basic demographics are optional, uh, if they're comfortable with that, uh, amount of information. And then when a company comes along and says, Hey, you know, we're thinking of building a new 
you know, NFT uh, solution, or maybe we want to, you know, talk to folks who um, bought certain types or have done certain types of uh, DeFi transactions or have used NFT loyalty programs before or anything like that. We can then analytically search through all of our user pool and find people that match that. And so uh, we'll go and say, oh, you want to uh, talk to folks who have, you know, who do a lot of you know, open seas, uh, who use open sea a lot. Uh, well, we can, we can hunt, we can find those folks. Uh, we can uh, reach out to them and ask them to join your feedback mission. And so the user will ping them, will say, hey, this, this company wants to talk to you or wants you to take their survey, whatever it is. They'll pay you X amount for doing that. Um, and then the user can decide, yep, that's great. Like I'm happy to do a 30-minute interview for however much money. Uh, or I'm happy to take that you know, five-minute survey for however much money. Um, and the company gets their feedback. The user then gets paid. Um, and so in the V1, which is what this is and what's, what's currently live, uh, where that connection point um, and analytics for uh, enabling much easier and faster user feedback. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And it's almost like solving that issue with um, data privacy. I mean, Google, Facebook, you name it, anyone on the Web2 space is taking my data as we speak and selling it to these marketing companies who just want to know, how, how does this person click around the website? Where are they from? What's their IP? Yes. Like, this gives the end user a chance to say, here's, here's what I do. And you can even go extreme to the point of like, if you want to unlock my name, cost this much. You want to unlock my IP, cost this much, my address, my sex, sure. whatever, like gender. These are all the things that you got to pay up to, to learn about, which is, which is, I think is fair and, and right. right. Um, that's yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a ton of opportunity in that space. And, you know, I think, you know, Obviously, there are. We have to decide where where limits are placed to make users comfortable, right? Like, are we ever going to ask for their full name? No, probably not, because we want to help them maintain that anonymity. But we might ask for, like, you know, what country do you live in? Uh, what's your What's your gender? Um, what industry do you work in? Like those those types of things. Um, and then today, we you know we pay you when you take place in a feedback um, you know mission. Uh, but in the future, I think <laughs> I forgot how to phrase this to not commit to it, but uh, we'd be really interested in um, launching a token to basically share some of our outcomes with our most prolific users and the ones who have helped us out the most. The reason I have to be, uh, the reason I'm being a little evasive there is just because, you know, doing that in a way that is uh, legally friendly <laughs> it's hard. in the US is hard. And so that's that's something that like I'm very interested in doing, but I'm unwilling to say we will or commit to until uh, I've talked to a lot more lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. And if anyone's ever looked up how to start a token or any currency in the US, it's really not easy and not fun. Yes. Um, but sometimes, again, like you said, like sometimes it might not even be needed in the future or if it is, you found a great way to solve that and a great token economics for it, then awesome. Yeah. Um, so this is currently live, right? Like, can I 
joining up and hey i want i want to start working yep. with the dspark yep yeah absolutely yeah anyone any user can uh go to dspark.io and uh yeah sign up as a user uh put in their information um we have a few missions up uh always looking to find more for companies as well um and then the nice part is uh for as long as you remain a user and you know have opted in and all that we can just ping you when something does come up right so even if you sign up now and there's only you know uh, uh half a dozen missions or whatever that you see um in the future if things come up because this is web three and because you've given us you know your your hot wallet address we can just look and see what you qualify for um and so and then and then ping you and say hey you know here's the opportunity if you're interested take it if you're not don't um and we'll go from there i love it yeah now now that you're uh, living the entrepreneur life you know how are you handling that it's a, it's a big move it's really hard i mean running a podcast is tough so running a whole new business is also very difficult much more difficult i think but yeah what, what's greg doing to keep himself sane motivated and excited especially now that we're in a, like a more of a bear market <laughs> yeah i mean i would say first off i think running a podcast on top of having a real job is very hard so uh, <laughs> lots of credit to you for that thank you um the uh entrepreneurship life is I'd say most of all unstructured, right? Like it is just on you. Like you are deciding what your hours are, what you need to get done that day, that week, that month. Uh, and so making sure you have the right priorities and are doing the important and not the urgent to uh, paraphrase the old saying yeah. um, is, is really critical. So I think that's, that's been kind of one of my main goals of like putting in the right structure, making sure I can work, in the right ways and on the right things um, and that I have the high priority things in mind, um, which I think, you know, strategy and product are really good precursors uh, for to help set me up there. Um, so from that front, it's been, uh, it's been a transition, but so far uh, handled well. Um, but uh, in terms of how I keep myself sane, uh, a lot of basketball would be okay. uh, one of my big answers. Uh, I play in the, there's a league here in Cambridge that is uh, the CAC Basketball League. And they have like seven or so different levels of like oh, wow. how uh, how good everybody is from like corporate to like – there's like college players in like the A-leagues. They're, they're pretty terrifying up there. Uh, and so I'm, I'm actually in a couple of leagues that I play in uh, most weeks um, just keeping in touch with you know a lot of my good friends on those teams uh, and then also blowing off steam with some uh, – running and shooting so nice a lot of fun that's uh yeah you kind of have to like use i feel like exercise is so underrated sometimes i mean everyone knows it's important it's good to do but actually doing it is another task in itself totally like, and it's good that that's like half the battles like it, it helps solve a lot of mental stresses and physical stresses where you get a chance to like get those creative juices out yeah no 100 percent. the uh <laughs> Although I'd say that this this week in particular, people know that more than normal. I uh, I was at the uh, the local gym and it was packed thanks to New Year's resolutions. Ah uh, yes, uh, so, the New Year's effect. Right, right. Everyone's everyone's back at it for a little bit. Uh, we'll see if it quiets down in a couple months, though. Yeah, take note of who's coming in now and who's going to come in <laughs> in March and April. 
<laughs> right, exactly. And, and hope that I'm still there in March and April. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so now, you know, someone's in this dilemma that you were in not too long ago, like four or five months ago, at a job they love or they like and they're enjoying it, but there's something burning inside them saying, I kind of need to do something of my own and solve that problem. Yeah. Is there any advice or guidance you can give that person that might be listening who wants to start something, who wants to be an entrepreneur? Definitely. Uh, that was that was me for a long time. You know, it was it was a slow burn and it started accelerating towards the end. Um, I think there are different ways of doing it, right? Like you, it is it is an option for for it can be an option. You know, depending on your financial situation and others, to just quit and explore and similar, and you know, go from there. And a lot of people do that, and like that is. I respect that a lot. That is a, that is quite the leap. But for me personally, I was a little more risk averse. And so I wanted to really have the idea a little more locked down and um, kind of know what I wanted to do uh, once I uh, – to, to leave my kind of stable uh, full-time job. Um, and so the, the big thing that really helped me was just kind of like make that plan. Like how am I going to get – invested enough in concepts? What am I going to explore? Are there certain areas I like? And so for most of my time since college, I've had some side project that I've been working on that I've been thinking, hmm, maybe this, like maybe this could be a business one day. It's not a prerequisite, right? I'm happy to do it. Like crypto crossing, which I mentioned earlier, I had a uh, computer vision, esports analytics project for a while. Excuse me. That was really fun. Uh, and again, was wondering if that could be a full business. And then eventually DSpark came out of a side project I started working on um, to do this uh, user research platform. But that was really, I think, the key for me of like coming up with the area, starting to explore it and really understand it. And then eventually getting to a place where, you know, I did have a little bit of serendipity and being like, yes, I think this is a real concept and real business. Um, but being able to, you know, take advantage of that, you know, it's, it's uh, you got to seek out some doors for opportunities for the opportunity to strike. Um, and so, you know, deciding to explore crypto, deciding to, uh, you know, work on some things and try and get involved in more communities uh, just helps you understand where those problems are. Because ultimately, to start a good business, you have to find a problem uh, yeah. that you can solve. And those problems are most evident on the bleeding edge. And the bleeding edge is, you know, out in the wild where people are doing things. Um, and so it's, yeah. yeah, trying to find that that ecosystem where you can be comfortable and start exploring and find uh, what becomes your next startup ideas is really, I think, the trick. Do you... Do you have anyone, I guess, in your family or friends who kind of like was an entrepreneur and kind of helped like motivate that lifestyle? Or was this something completely just on your own? Uh, in terms of close family or friends, like growing up, not as much, you know, like it always been something I was interested in uh, just from like seeing uh, as I just tried to understand the world and, and see what was happening there, um, over the past decade out of college, absolutely. Right. Uh, and so like maybe it was, I was harboring the idea and desire out of college without, you know, super concrete role models on that topic. 
Um, although definitely you know, a number of folks I knew in, in the space for sure. Uh, post-college, I've seen a number of friends jump into entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. uh, some with great success, some with less so. Um, and that has been really inspiring. And uh, I count on uh, a couple of those folks as, as friends and advisors and um, mentors uh, to help me out as I ask questions like, do I need a lawyer? When should my accountant, <laughs> like how often should I be working with my accountant? Uh, those types of things. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I did my uh, MBA in entrepreneurship and innovation. I'm just like, this is like ridiculous. Like things you have to like, I mean, I get why obviously there's, you know, legal um, safety and procedures and, you know, to hold people accountable, but it's just like, I'm just a one person just trying to see if this product works and I have to put all this paperwork with it too. Like, I don't, I don't even understand half this documentation, but I guess I got to do it. Yeah. Um, having mentors and advisors is huge. And, and yeah, being able to understand that, like that risk balance is so important because some things you could get a lawyer for everything, right? You get a lawyer to look over all of your copy on the marketing websites and see if you're technically telling the truth on everything you say, you could, incorporate and draw up contracts without a lawyer. All, all of that's totally technically allowed. It, it's just kind of like having somebody to bounce ideas off of, of like, hey, I'm thinking of doing X. I feel pretty good about my like template I pulled off the internet. Like, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, totally. That seems reasonable. Or like, no, that's a really stupid idea, Greg. You should do X. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you need someone to like tell you that because they probably experienced it themselves and they have something to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Could you even imagine your life now without crypto, without Web3? I think if you'd asked me that uh, two months ago, I would have said no. Like it's it's so different already. Uh, and um, I, don't, I just don't know where I would have been. Probably still at my old job seeking out some source of interesting concept. Uh, but like all the memes on Twitter, my current... Uh, favorite thing to uh, read about is all the generative AI as well, uh, which has been so cool. And I'm, I'm in web three for the long haul. Like, like I'm not about to switch lanes or anything <laughs> like that, but I think if I had been bored, I would have, uh, I would have dove into that a little more as well. New tech has always been in your blood, huh? It's so fun to stay up to date on and yeah. any of the AI stuff too. is just, uh, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah how do you like manage all that like you have a lot going on in your mind you also have to manage current affairs in crypto like do you spend a lot of time on twitter and like news forums are you kind of just like i'm putting my head down and working i'm honestly trying to get better at social media and twitter uh yeah, it's thank hard. you for helping me out with that with this <laughs> podcast um the uh so I'm, I'm trying to do a little more about staying in touch on twitter and, and reading the news um but uh yeah, I think, you know, one of the nice things is that a lot of crypto is on Twitter and a lot of AI has also been on Twitter recently. It's like, it's kind of been easier to stay in touch on both those things. Um, but also I just have, you know, you miss a lot of uh, up-to-date current events uh, because you're not on Twitter all the time. Uh, so, you know, doing my best, but uh, also trying to find that balance. Yeah, there was a period where I was like too heavy into Twitter. I was trying too hard. And... Yeah, then I went on like vacation or something. I stopped looking at my phone. I'm like, oh, like I didn't, I missed a lot, but I feel fine. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually need to be looking at my phone this much. And it was definitely a pivotal moment for me realizing, okay, I can, I can not 
look at Twitter and just focus on creating good content and meeting good people and building my personal network and community and enjoying that aspect. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's so important to understand like where your personal balance needs to be. Cause for some people they can do that and it seems healthy. Like they can just stay on 24 seven. But for me personally, I need, I need more time away from social media, more time yeah. you know, working and, and spending on my own. So deep work is important. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as you're doing your research for uh, DSpark and like, finding what's available in the crypto space, have you found a lot of competitors or different or similar ideas of what you're doing? How are you handling that? Yeah, great question. Um, immediate competitors, I have found one marketing website that is just a marketing website um, mm. that I don't think they're actually pursuing the idea. Uh, or if they are, they're taking a really long time to build it. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of competitors in the Web2 space that are actually moderate substitutes for what we do. Like if you don't care or able to survive without all of the information on chain, right? Like if you just want to talk to somebody who's used crypto once or twice before, right? Really broad strokes, you can probably use some of the existing Web2 competitors. Um, it's just that DSpark provides a much more nuanced service, much better analytics and all of that in terms of like everything about that user profile, like what they've done in the past and uh, can help you find your precise audience a lot better. Um, so there there are competitors there, uh, but they're mostly kind of the old guard versus kind of folks doing the same area that, that DSpark's focused on. Mm-hmm. I think the, the interesting thing will be kind of in the future phases. I think there's a lot more competitors that we'll run into as we expand if today we're doing user feedback, uh, uh, just you know, matching companies to to users for feedback with like really in depth analytics on on what those users uh, have done and will do, in the future we're going to be more of a unified um, vertical user and market research platform. And so in the future, when you log on, uh, if if you have a new concept, a new marketing concept. You might log on or new, a new product. You log on to DSpark and you say, hey, I'm interested in kind of this audience. And then you can see how many people are in that audience, what the size of it, what the makeup is, like type of demographics. You can see what the overlap is between that new audience and your existing one, right? Like, are you targeting something that's really adjacent to you or are they pretty far away? And then you can see, um, you can leverage that to kind of come up with like a, okay, this is the rough market size and shape of it. Then maybe you want to launch a survey and understand like quantitatively are folks interested in your new concept and then building down farther, then you can run, uh, talk to those users either from your survey or from that potential new group and like get the actual feedback. Right. And so in the future, we become much more vertical. And because of that, that means that there's a lot of analytics involved and like parsing and segmentation and there's a lot of companies in, in Web3 that do some you know, analytics of some form. Um, and so while I haven't seen one that's exactly what we're doing, and a lot of folks that, uh, you know, in three or four years might harbor some similar ambition to DSpark. Gotcha. That's good. I mean, it's important to be a first mover. Um, now that, yeah, now that you've experienced all the space and you're probably seeing a lot, what's some, uh, what's a wholesome crypto moment that you've had? Like, Something that made you feel proud to be part of the community, made you feel happy that like, you know, this is a, this is the right place to be and made you feel good inside. 
Yeah. Uh, I did see this question coming. I, I have read the name <laughs> of the podcast before. Uh, and after thinking for a bit, my favorite moment uh, was actually to do with the Constitution DAO. Um, were, you, did you, were you involved? Are you aware of it? I'm aware. Yeah, I was following that on Twitter. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, just like the, the, the brief recap in case I think pretty much everyone does, but like the, the brief recap was like somebody wanted to buy one of the you know dozen or so original copies of the Constitution. Uh, Twitter goes wild. In four days, they've raised like four million to do so. And then the next day they raise another it, it was they went from like five million to forty million in twenty four hours or something like that. It was it was absolutely wild. Um and so I was I was part of that. My buddies and I were like all um uh, had all donated and it was it was a pure donation right like it was just kind of yeah. a, a fun thing to do to put the constitution on public display and you know not have it go to some billionaire's private collection uh and so we're all really excited about that and i think it was just kind of like it really represented the the ethos of kind of crypto and web3 at the time uh but uh one of the reasons why like the, the reason why it's actually my favorite moment was the actual auction itself. Um, and so my fiance and I had some folks over that day to watch, uh, to, uh, I forget what we were actually doing. We were having some, some event. And I, I put on the auction on the TV because I was really interested. That's in so funny. Wanted to see if we were going to win. And uh, it's this, it's this, you know, it's, it's Sotheby's, right? Or however you pronounce that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they have, you know, dozens of folks in the audience bidding and like they go through this whole thing on you know before the constitution you know auctioning off a ton of other things and they finally get the constitution and i'm on the the twitter i'm on the uh discord uh there's a couple other ways i think people are communicating as well and uh the bid starts like one million and we've raised like 40 you know 42 million or something like that and uh it quickly rises, right? Like a million goes up to 5 million jumps to like 20, I think. And like quickly in like the twenties, it gets down to just two, two people left bidding on it. And the problem was that no one, not no one on Twitter, no one on discord knew who our bidder was. And so, and so there's two people bidding back and forth on this constitution with 20 plus million dollars. And everybody is trying to figure out are we winning or not? <laughs> no one has any idea. Oh, and wow. so the whole my my whole group of friends is all watching you, just cheering on randomly. Oh, we think we're the 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 woman bitter. No, we think we're the man bitter. <laughs> Going back and forth trying to figure this out. It raises up, raises up, gets like forty one million or so, and and stops. And so one of the bidders wins at forty one million, and uh, my friend group like the the, the news breaks on discord or twitter it was like we won like we want it this is us like this is such great news like it, it happened uh and so you know my friend group super excited because you know my real life like uh irl friends in in yeah. uh, my kitchen all super uh, stoked watching this happen <laughs> so we're all celebrating and then other news comes in from twitter being like no we lost <laughs> so i remember that you know we're going back and forth and trying to figure it out and uh you know 10 minutes later turns out we lost and everyone's you know pretty sad about it uh but like the outcome was sad but like the journey was just so crypto in its nature (laughs) trying to do this thing a bunch of anonymous folks banding together to do it and like definitely some road bumps in the way like all of crypto and uh regardless of outcome though the journey was just 
it was fascinating. It's so fun to watch. So it was I, I think the most amazing part about crypto is the community that it can build. It's yeah. It's a global community. And so like we're all, it's, it's finally showing like people want to work together and get things done. Whatever, whatever community you want to be part of, it's yeah. even my constitution or like, uh, donating to like public goods or just refiguring out how to solve money and just, or voting. It's, it's so many applications. It's, there's so many people around the world that can work together and crypto is finally giving that opportunity for people to actually come together and work together without any intermediary stopping them in between. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, globalizing so much, so many of these things, right. You can, you can spin up an organization that's global so quickly now. And everyone can contribute money and everyone can contribute code. And there's, it's a whole new world uh, of collaboration. Um, as soon as we solve a bit more of the user experience. <laughs> exactly. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining me. What, where can um, everyone find you or find DSpark? Like what, what's upcoming and what did you get excited about? <laughs> Rudy, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter is I'm, I'm working on very, very uh, slowly. It's underscore EUZZZ. Um, and uh, we are building out a lot of new features on DSpark that we're pretty stoked about. Um, our, our survey platforms in beta and about to launch uh, and our analytics are improving day by day. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to keep building out. And I think we have a, a lot of big plans out there. And I'm excited to keep meeting more people in the space too. So uh, are, you, are you a one-man team? Right now. Uh, uh, I, have, I have a couple of folks uh, that are advisors, I would say, that are, uh, you know, considering joining. Uh, but um, yeah, for now, building, selling, uh, and everything else as well. So, yeah, you heard, you heard it here, folks. DSpark.io needs some uh, good contribution, and please join the platform and you know start start helping out that market share. It does. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you, Greg.